the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, everybody, to the Messy Walk podcast. My name is Chloe. I'm here with Pastor Adam. Hey, hey, hey. And we are so glad to have you listening with us today. This is episode 52, and we are currently in a series um, about theology. This will be episode six of that series, right? That's My right. numbers right? You're, you're okay. Correct. I threw a lot of numbers out yeah. there at the same time. I was afraid I was getting them mixed up. 52, number six. Yes. And, one, and, and two. You two. forgot that number. Oh, yeah, yeah, because this is year two of the Messy Walk yeah, podcast, because on our last episode, we celebrated one year. So welcome to year two year of the two. Messy Walk podcast. We actually made it to the second year. Yes, and it's going to be a great year. And we do like full years. So that's just a funny thing about, like, most podcasts are like series and stuff. We're right. doing one like every single week. Right. And so we hit every week, I believe, for the last year, Yeah. Um, except for one. Right. Right? Yeah. And so... Uh, 51 episodes over the first crazy. year and uh, we're I don't know if that's going to continue folks so if you're I mean the podcast is going to continue I don't mean that but uh, every single Wednesday for another two years <laughs> <laughs> I know we're tired just thinking about Man. it <laughs> but regardless we're kicking it pretty solid for the next three episodes yes. at least so yes. we're going to be um, continuing on with this theology idea yeah. and I hope that uh, you know I, I hope that it's um inspiring you to um, form your own uh, biblical theology um, and pursue understanding the scripture and God and Christ and all these pieces um, from a systematic perspective so that you can, you can get it. Like, so I'm not sitting here hoping that you hear what I say and just take it. Um, I will say as a pastor, that is one of those things that um, I think most pastors are heartbroken over all the time. Yeah, is that people just take what you say and they just roll with that. And we're fallible and yeah. we're human. Um, Absolutely. And we don't do everything right and we interpret wrong and all those things. And so that's why I'll constantly say when I'm teaching and preaching, please don't let the only Bible you read be the Bible that I'm reading to you or you're reading off some screens. Mm-hmm. Like, please get into it because um, because reading your reading the Word is not. Uh, of course, it's included in it, but it's not what you're doing at church on Sunday when the pastor's preaching. You crack open the Bible. That's right. not reading scriptures, right? You know, that's you following along with somebody else reading. Right. It's not like so, your personal time yeah. with God. So we hope you know this is a hard thing to talk through on a podcast. This is a difficult one. Yeah. Like when we're talking through these theology things and then trying to make it, you know, trying to hit the big pieces of it. So, so we're not doing it to formulate every opinion that you would have. There's right. no way to do that in an hour-long podcast about a whole topic of God anyway. Right. It's just to, to inspire maybe, um, hopefully, your own pursuit of who God is. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and in the pursuit of your faith. And, and in that, you build some foundational pieces. Yeah. So that's the hope. So. Absolutely. So we've covered some big stuff so far. We've covered uh, – I missed one earlier when we were figuring it out. So we covered – what is theology and why does it matter? We covered bibliology. Then we did theology proper, yep. which is a the father, study of basically. God the father. Right. Then we did Christology, which is the study of Jesus Christ. And then we did pneumatology, yep. which is the study of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to move into um, one called ecclesiology. This might be my favorite 
um, but it's just because I'm a pastor, I think. So, uh, if you got your phones and you're not like, and you can, I don't know if you can listen to podcast. I'm not. You can listen to a podcast and still I, go I've, to your I've photo. I've discovered album. over the last six months that um, I've gotten old um, because there's certain things where I'm like, I don't know how to do that, and so I'll. And that's not been me. I've you got a new a, phone recently, and it was yes. making you mad because it's different yes. than your old. Phone. I hate it. Uh, I still hate it. <laughs> Um, and I'm constantly complaining about it and handing it over it's to face my face ID. Yeah, isn't I, can't, it? I hate the face ID. <laughs> I hate it. I want my button back. He wants his thumbprint reader. I want my reader. thumbprint thing. Uh, I don't want to have to. When my phone's laying flat on the table, I don't want to have to try to figure out how to get my big head over it to <laughs> you it. Like angle it over. I cannot tell you how many times I've been sitting at a table and just like hung my head over <laughs> yeah, it to unlock my crazy. phone. <laughs> I'm constantly over the just the last few months. I keep handing my phone over to my my teenage daughter and going fix this what i where to go next so so, so uh, i apologize that i don't know that you can look at your phone and while you listen to the podcast but apparently yes, you, can. you can so absolutely go through your pictures and find the last full family photo right so you know and of course i don't know what that family looks like for you so as many people as you can get full family photo or if you're sitting at a desk or something just lean over and look at your family picture that's on your desk because it's supposed to be there by the way you're supposed to have a picture of your family i don't have on one. your work desk so you're failing Oops. <laughs> you gotta have that. Um, so just look over at that, and and what resemblances do you see in that family photo? Like usually, almost always, there's some shared characteristics that hints towards a family relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So you look at them and you go, okay, we all seem to have the same nose, you know, or whatever it may be. Like right. like Chloe, your family, when you all take pictures, like for Thanksgiving or something. Mm-hmm. It's undeniable that these people are sisters and they're related. You know what I mean? Yeah. They all look the same. Yes, we all look um, a lot alike. So when you're thinking about the family of God, what distinguishes the church from other socio-religious groups? Hmm. What are the family resemblances found in Scripture that you would then be able to say, all right, because this is what the church is? Hmm. Because before we can really study the theology of the church – we got to kind of actually say what the church is, right? right. So we do that by looking at these family resemblances. And so the word for church, the reason it's called ecclesiology instead of mm-hmm. churchology. Because <laughs> churchology doesn't sound real. I thought about writing a book called churchology. Oh, okay. uh, I'm sure there's already plenty of them because it's a cool title, and that's no way I came up with it. But there's right. not one by Adam Cook. <laughs> it's not. Um, but the, the word for church comes from the Greek term ekklesia. Okay. Um, and then that means assembly, church, congregation, right? Mm-hmm. And so ecclesia, and then you throw the ology on it. So that means just the study of the church. And so ecclesiology is just, you know, by nature, then the study of the church, and which is obviously going to cover a lot, right? So, like, as we're covering these big topics, every time we get to one, we're like, there's a lot to this. Because there would be. Right. Um, you know, initially, you may not think of a lot. Like, so this is the same thing we were talking about before, like when you get to when we were talking about Jesus and we were like, where did Jesus start from? And your first initial answer is Christmas, Christmas right? right. Um, and so with the church, you go, well, it's not that much to study. It's just, you know, we go to church. Right. But then you got to start thinking about, well, where did church come from? Who makes mm-hmm. up a church? What's that look like? What do they do? And so there's a lot to it. One of the ways that you can see what the church is, um, because it's quite hard to identify sometimes, mm-hmm. is to look at the common characteristics or resemblances, like we were talking about that family photo thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been multiple ways to see what those are or to clarify what those are over the years. Um, so, for example, the Nicene Creed of – which I think was 381 A.D., so mm-hmm. pretty early on, right? So, um, you know, as the church is forming a few hundred years after Jesus mm-hmm. – um, 
they start to lay out some basics of what the church is. So, mm-hmm. so it's like core beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that gets expanded upon by uh, Luther and the Reformation, John Calvin, and even expanded upon further by evangelicalism in the last you know hundred years or so. Um, and in evangelicalism added some of those things to it. So like we added in, and I can say we because it's kind of what we are is evangelicals, even though that term has been completely destroyed in the media. Um, yes. And in no way should the term evangelical be tied to uh, white supremacist bigots, but it is because it is because there's a whole lot of evangelicals who are white supremacist bigots. But mm-hmm. even moving on, I'm about to get on a soapbox. We don't want to get on. Um, <laughs> so what 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 evangelicalism added on to it was a focus on um, the mission of the church, the worship and hospitality pieces of it. And so, mm-hmm. but if you go back to that like first Nicene Creed. You see, there's in that and all those stuff that said, like we believe in God the Father and stuff like that. Um, there's four original marks of the church out of that creed that are very important family characteristics. And so, there, here's the four, and they're going to sound weird until we talk about them. Yeah. One, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. Okay. Um, so, one, obviously, what that means is, is the church is one body. Mm where Jesus is the head, mm-hmm. right? So it makes sense. And so that's pretty foundational of what resemblances you would see in the church, like yeah. how you would formulate what the church is. Holy, which means there's a set-apart nature of the church, right? Because holy means set-apart. A good way to think about this is is the idea of we're God's temple and we're the location of his presence. So that would be holy and set apart. That makes any sense. Then you get Catholic, and Catholic is not referring to the Roman Catholic Church. It's not referring to Catholicism. It's just referring, so when you think Catholic in this phrase, think of lowercase c, Catholic. It's just referring to the universalism of the church, right? That the Mm -hmm. church is universal. And what that's calling us to is unity, right? So that the, the church that's a particular denomination in another country and the one that's the particular domination right down the street, there's unity in that church. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then apostolic, um, I think is really cool. That's referring to the the centrality of the scriptures in our family portrait. So when you look at our family portrait and you see what's our common things, it's the centrality of the scriptures. So it's referring to the apostles, the prophets being foundational with, of course, Jesus being the, if we're talking foundations, Jesus then is the cornerstone, mm-hmm. right? Does that make sense? Yeah. So those are start to see some of those things that are formulating what the church is. And then you begin, um, you know, like I said, we're studying this systematically. So then you begin defining the church, right? And so when you talk about ecclesiology, you're talking about the beginnings of the church. You're talking about its makeup, uh, its relationship to Christ, its blessings, and its future, right? Um, so... As you begin to look at this and you know, okay, here's what the church looks like, um, how, do, how does somebody become part of the church? And so we kind of start there, right? What does that mean? And so one is brought into the church by a profession of faith in Jesus, and then baptism occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't study the church without studying baptism, hmm. right? There's no way. Because there's a that's a foundational piece early on of yeah. how do people become part of the church, and so right. you're going to get into baptism real fast. And mm-hmm. so, of course, we talked about baptism um, with regard to the Holy Spirit, and we talked about baptism with regard to Jesus, mm-hmm. um, but and, and especially with with um, understanding pieces of bibliology. Mm-hmm. But a lot of baptism understanding is going to come here in ecclesiology. 
because mm-hmm. it's a it's a thing that's happening happens in the church, right? Wow, and the church yeah. is commanded and called to do it. It's in our great commission, you know, those kind of things. So um, most of our belief and understanding about baptism is going to come in ecclesiology. Yeah. All right. So if we start to talk about baptism here, then then guess what we're about to do? Disagree. Yep. <laughs> there is a massive amount of disagreement that happens with virtually everything we're going to talk about in ecclesiology. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because there's so many different ways that you see church being done, right? And so there's there's been and there's been so many changes in that and splits and reformations and you know all these kind of things that yeah. have happened. And so yeah. there's all kinds of disagreements. So let's just jump into it. I like, okay. I think it's fun to talk through some differences. So m- most agree and have since the beginning. Most agree that baptism is the initiatory right um, into the church. Right. Right. So I like to say this, I say this all the time, that baptism is clearly, I think biblically, the first step of obedience. Right. Right. Yeah. So you accept Christ, and then what does he tell you to do first? Be baptized. Be baptized. And yeah. so that's you going, I'll do what you say. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, baptism is a is a easy first step for you to declare Jesus is your Lord, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And right. so you're baptized. And so, um, and and that's also how you identify with the body, mm-hmm. right? So we're a group of baptized believers, right? Mm-hmm. We've, we profess Jesus as our Savior, and then we follow him as our Lord. And so baptism is part of kind of initiating you into the church body. Right. Um, and that's, and that's pretty common belief, right? Um, but then we start to disagree again. So I'll give you just a few terms. So you've okay. got, um, and I think we talked about this not too long ago. You've got um, credo Baptists. Those are people that believe that baptism is for those who have accepted Christ on their own, mm-hmm. right? And and credo Baptists have all kinds of biblical, you know, ways to say that we think this is accurate, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got paedo Baptists, and they believe that baptism can st- can be practiced upon infants. Um, mm. And so that's yeah. you know obviously prior to someone knowing on their own, so mm-hmm. that 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 right could sort of be given to them or over them. Yeah. Um, I remember is, we did talk about yeah, this. Yeah, we in, talked about it a little bit. And bibliology, yeah. I think was it the bibliology episode. I don't know. Because you were saying that you can have biblical backup for. Yes, both of those probably, same yeah, ones. That yeah, was it. it was an I think example. that was what uh-huh. it was. Yeah. yeah, of course you can. <laughs> I feel and like it just went quiet for a second because I was like, I feel like we said that. No, you're but. right. You're right. We did say that. <laughs> yeah, and you can see that. You can see there's some there's some references here. You know, and that's the whole point of what we're talking about. Like yeah. you got to, what do you believe? Right. Right. And why do you believe it? Do you believe it because you just grew up in a church who exactly. said that's what it was? That's the right? whole point of these episodes. Like what you're saying is that we're. It's not to tell someone what to believe, but to help you start thinking, yeah. what do I believe? I mean, I'm not going to argue with you about it. I, I will <laughs> right. if you want to. Like, <laughs> if you want to discuss it, I'm, I'll am i discuss all day. I don't right. have any problem with it. But I'm not going to, like, get away from me, you heathen, right. um, because you believe baptism is something different. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But then then we, then we of course, so that's just, you know, then we, then we disagree on um, the method of baptism. Right, we mm-hmm. both basically disagree on everything having to do with baptism. Right, right. Um, so many standpoints. We disagree with the method of baptism. So you have um, multiple methods. So you have immersion, right? That is um, that comes from the Greek word baptizo, mm-hmm. and that Greek word baptizo gives you this image of dip, emerge, immerse, plunge. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, this is where I land. That mm-hmm. the most biblical. Biblically accurate form of baptism would be immersion. I don't think that that's exclusive, though. 
Um, I'll get to that in a minute, maybe, if we remember. Um, but I do think that's the most biblically accurate. Because if you take that word baptizo and you look at it in other parts of Greek language and the history of the time, mm-hmm. outside of the church, right? Yeah. How else is this being illustrated? Then you see that um, it's referring to all kinds of things, like in particular how pickles are made. Uh-huh. And so you um, baptizo a pickle. So what's that mean? Oh that means God. that the whole pickle, the whole cucumber, right, has to go under, right, the vinegar or whatever it is that you do with pickles. I think it's vinegar. Are you telling me pickles are part of the family of God? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, Veggie Tales was right <laughs> all along. Veggie Tales was on the money. So 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 you 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 what do you do with that what do you do with that cucumber? You, you put the it imi- in the vinegar. But do you do half of it? No. Right. Nobody sprinkle. who wants a half cucumber, <laughs> right. half pickle, right? <laughs> right, right. Would that even work? So the image Probably so what not. I'm saying is is it's funny, but the image right. in other cultural references during the time, sense. not just biblical references, show a immersion. Yeah. Right? A complete plunge. So that makes any sense. Yes, that makes so, total sense. The way I know that it was like funny because I can't yeah, pick those really cucumbers, whatever. I love it. But like that's gonna actually make it stick in my head. That's it. Yeah. So um, anyway, so that's one way, right? Then you have sprinkling. Um, and the reason that people have biblical backup for sprinkling is they note that it would have been impossible for many locations in the early church to do immersion, right? And so mm. that that if you look at the geography of the area and the history of that the time, it would have been impossible. And so that there's some sort of use of sprinkling early on, and that's why the sprinkling is okay, um, yeah. where somebody could not be dunked right right or immersed um <laughs> and then you get that's our word <laughs> we use dunked um or then you get um effusion the effusion method which would be a pouring method oh. and then there's ways to interpret i don't know if i necessarily agree with it or not but i'm just giving it out there there's ways to interpret like jesus's baptism for example that the way the language is written is that it was poured on instead of it being immersed right. um and so, you know, just different different ways of methodology of coming up with this. What I was saying earlier was, is I do think, and my pickle thing proves it, uh, I do think that immersion is the, is the closest correct biblical understanding of baptism. Huh. But I don't think it's exclusive. Like, right. Because like God some... is not a God of, he's a God of grace. Yeah. And he is not, this is not religion. So religion is you get it wrong and it's wrong, right? Right. And especially if you have people that want to get baptized that maybe literally cannot like go underwater. Well, we've had that happen. We've had people that so you physically kind of have to be with, with ailments and issues that are going on, they cannot yeah. physically go under the water. But they've accepted Christ and they're trying to obey and be baptized. And so right. what do you do in that case? Right. Well, you get you some water on your hand, you slap it on their head, and you baptize right. them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And I think that that's okay, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah. But I do think that... If you're trying to be biblically baptized correctly, and you can be, mm-hmm. that immersion is probably what it looks like. But right. I do understand these other two, yeah, you know, things. From what I've I been. Said, I so. would say after we've had this conversation, I realized that I was very like not, not that I sit around thinking about baptism all the time or right. something, but like subconsciously kind of narrow-minded about it. Like, why would you do sprinkling? Blah, 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 you I th- know. I think that that's. I think that it all comes down to how you were raised, what you experienced, mm-hmm. and so that just becomes for you foundational. Mm-hmm. Even though it might not really be correct right. foundation, um, which happens a lot, yeah. you know, and so that's another reason why you've got to read your own Bible, right? right? Um, study your own theology, right. formulate your own theology. Not just take, don't just take the doctrine that's given to you from a denomination and say, "Well, this is all. Right. This is it." 
I believe right. everything that they believe because I'm a Baptist, so I believe right. all Baptists. You know, right. that's just crazy. Um, so anyway, yeah. so when you move on from if you, you just so we're always just talking through the church, right? The things that come up the church. If you're talking the initiatory rite of baptism, and so that's how people get into the church, mm-hmm. then you're going to probably very quickly move into the Lord's Supper, right? Right. Which we would call communion in most settings, right. and then in the Catholic Church, it's called the Holy Eucharist. Right. Um, some people call it the Lord's Supper. Some people still refer to it as the Last Supper, but right. that already happened. We're not doing that each time. Right. Um, you know what I mean? So we talk about communion. So if baptism is the initial rite, and this is this idea, we're not even getting into the debate on whether it's a sacrament or whatever it may be. Right. Um, but if baptism is the initial rite, then communion is the continuing rite, mm. is the thought, right? And so if we talk about baptism and we disagree, guess what's going to happen when we talk about communion? We will probably all agree on it, and it'll be perfect. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, only in your little perfect world, Chloe. Um, you know enough to know better now. Uh, right. We're going to disagree on it. And so we disagree on, and so there's, and I say disagree, there's just other, there's just different theologies based on this, um, on when it's done. And how often it's done. There's disagreements on the elements themselves. Like, for example, uh, Roman Catholics believe that the elements are literally transformed into the literal body and blood of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like they literally become it. Um, that's called transubstantiation, right, is the big word for it. I've heard of that um, Protestants, and not all Protestants, but let's just, we're just throwing a line down the middle going Roman Catholics, Protestants. Protestants believe in consubstantiation. Consubstantiation. There we go. It's a hard um, one. Which means that Christ's presence is there in, with, and under the elements, but they don't actually literally transform into them. Yes. That makes any sense. Yeah, it makes sense. So there's a holy set aside piece to that. So yeah. um, anyway, um, and then there's other views. There's other views on all that too. Um, not just those two main ones, but. You know, there it is, and then and then we disagree with regard to uh, communion. Then we disagree on who can participate, right? And so you have sort of an open table part, and you have a closed table piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you're talking through that, an open table means that anybody's welcome to participate in communion, um, and those vary too. Because sometimes when you say open table, you're referring to anybody's willing can participate, but it's for Christians, right? right? It's kind of not really the thing. If you're not a Christian. Right. Um, and then closed table is the idea that you cannot participate unless you are a part of, like, for example, in the Roman Catholic Church, Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just some some things that we process through. So those two big pieces right there, baptism yeah. and communion. Um, and then we would move into, all right, well, how's the church formulated? What's the church leadership look like? Right. And so you would start to develop a biblical theology on um, the roles of church leadership. And so you typically get two different groups here. You get elder, overseer, pastor, yep. and then a second group of the deacon office. Yep. Um, that first group administers oversight, and the second group, the deacon group, would be um, the ones that serve the church. And right. so it's almost like it's hard to put it in exact because that does not mean that the pastor, the elder, the overseer is not serving as well, mm-hmm. right? But it just means the serving body is what's making up the deacons, and that you've got to have somebody sort of administering or leading the charge, right? right. And so, um, But when you get into those things, you start to – word of the hour, Chloe. 
Word of the hour. What is the word? What do we start to do when we start talking about church leadership? Disagree. Disagree. (laughs) We start to formulate different opinions. I thought that's what you were asking for, but I was like, maybe he's talking about a different word. I was like, what is the other pickles? (laughs) Word of the hour. Funny. It it was the word of the hour. Um, That's probably the most memorable thing we said in the whole podcast. Yes, it's sticking with me still. So you get into you know just different ways of understanding this biblically, right? And how does it play out? And so then you get into how many people are supposed to be in leadership. Yeah. What does that look like? How many of each category is it singular? Or is it plural, right? And then you get into um, whether men and women can be mm-hmm. in both categories or not, and then multiple other things. Um, so when you get to the man-woman leadership thing in the church, there's two thoughts that permeate this, right? Um, and this is hot topic always. Right. I uh, feel the tension hot topic rising. Always, right? uh, there's two big thoughts. So there's complementarianism, and complementarianism is that men and women are meant to complement each other in nature, but they have differing roles in home and church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but they complement, right? And one is not true complementarianism. Is not talking about one being um, uh, less value mm-hmm. or beneath the other. That there's a true complement happening there, happening there. And then you get egalitarianism, which is means, which is this belief that men and women's roles are their their nature and their roles are equal in the home and in the church. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, if you were pushing me into a category here, I would, I would say, and I told this to Chloe earlier, that I would say I still think that there is, just like most of these groupings of theology, that it's a mixture, yeah. right? That there is a complementarian thing going on there, that there are obviously different roles that are happening, right. but there is equality in all of that. Absolutely. You yeah. know what I mean? And so I think that you that you would end up with a mixture of those two. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. we'll leave that hot button topic right. alone. Uh, <laughs> and then we move on to, as we're continuing to ecclesiology, right? This, mm-hmm. is, this is the church. Mm-hmm. Um, we move on to worship. Now, that will cause some wars. When you start talking about different beliefs and what worship should look like, boy, you're about to fight. Mm-hmm. I have never seen fights bigger in the church then when you go messing with the worship flow, mm. right? You go starting to change some worship stuff around. I mean, I remember being at the church um, that I was on staff at. I was an associate pastor at this point, and uh, somebody brought up in the administrative board meeting that we were going to remove the organ. Oh no! And it literally turned into organ. World War Three. Oh, like. My gosh. <laughs> The vitriol and hate that spewed out of that oh, room, and then it, it became like it literally became two sides protesting or like pushing their candidate. They're they're literally. I'm not I'm not joking. We had um, signs pop up, like you know how you would have like on a political trail or something, like vote for this referendum, save the organ, and then it would be other signs that were stuck in the yard of. Get the organ gone, and I mean it was just a battle. It was insane. It was crazy. The organ was the golden calf. It was right, <laughs> and it becomes like that a lot in church. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, you know, so you go wow. messing with worship styles, right? And it's going to cause some serious wars because right. everybody um, has such different ideas. Like it's supposed to be this way, it's like, and there is there is. Uh, we see this a lot with ecclesiology. Mm-hmm. There is. Things become traditions to us very quickly. Right. And then we don't want to sway from those traditions. Yeah. And methods for us override mission a lot. 
And so we care more about it. We wouldn't say this out loud, and we may not even be able to process it consciously, but we end up caring more about the method in which we go about worshiping God, praising God, sharing the gospel than we do about we're called to go share the gospel. Mm. We're called to worship God. We end up caring so much about that method. Um, and, 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 you know, the way I say it, the way I like to push the church constantly is um, why we do what we do is not on the table for discussion. His name is Jesus. It will always be the why. Right. We not discuss and change in the why. Right. Right. How we do what we do, how we go about it is ever changing. Is always on the right. table for discussion. Right. Always on the table for discussion. None of that is going to be something that we are not willing to at least talk to or figure out whether we should do it differently or better right. or in some different way to reach the culture in which we're placed into reach. Right. Right. And so with that said, we will always use the culture right. um, to share the gospel, but we will never bow down to the culture. Right. You know what I mean? Always use it. Never serve it. Never right. bow down to it. So. I went off on another tangent. But anyway. That's good stuff. So, you know, worship just starts some wars, right? I mean, a lot of times it's because we're kind of, we become become nostalgic very easily. You notice the older that you get, the more nostalgic you get, right? Yes. Everything brings back memories from the good old days. And then everything, and then when something changes, (laughs) you're like mad and irritated and Mm -hmm. sad all at the same time. Like, I'm literally Mm -hmm. mad that they took away that button. From my now, now, granted, they did this years ago because I was walking around with an iPhone eight or something, right? Right, right. Uh, seven though. or eight or something. But right. they took away my button, right? And right. now I got this stupid face thing, and I'm irritated, and I I miss the good old days of my button phone, and I'm annoyed with this new method, right? And so it just it just comes right. it's just easy for us to do that. Oh yeah, especially as we get older, we just get set in our ways. Yeah, yes, and, especially as you get older, yeah. you're like. Sure. You've been doing things this way for so long. Why change it? Kind of just leave it alone. The, I don't yeah. want to fool with that, right? right? And that that seeps into the church. Yeah. I mean, it just does. It's part of our human nature. And right. so, um, but when you're talking about worship, you know, you're we're sitting here right now talking about corporate worship being a battle, right? But of course, when you're talking about worship in the church, it's not just corporate worship. It's um, you know, personal light lifestyle of worship as well. Um, but our worship services is where we usually get very contentious, mm-hmm. right? And so when you see these kind of disagreements, you're you're seeing it happen, or or different beliefs, you're seeing it happen based on worship services, right? right. So I got two fun terms, and then we'll wrap this whole ecclesiology thing up because we could talk about this forever. Right. Um, so there's two there's two kind of practices when it comes to or or yeah, they're practices, but sort of beliefs or understandings about how we should do worship. Right. And this is where we sort of disagree. Right. Um, and no, and people probably don't even realize these terms. Um, there is the regulative, regulative practice, right, which is the belief that public worship gatherings, this is a theological belief, public worship gatherings should only include what is explicit in Scripture. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're only going to have in your worship service, you're only going to have what Scripture explicitly says you are to have in that service, right? Mm. Um, and then normative practices are this belief and this action that there can be diverse practices used in worship services as long as Scripture doesn't explicitly prohibit them. Mm. So in other words, if the Scripture doesn't say don't do it, you can do it, mm. right? And the other one is if Scripture says do it, that's all you can do. Right. And so you see some of these to where Scripture doesn't say that this is – I'm not going to cram any one denomination, but there's one. 
Scripture doesn't say that you can't use instruments. I mean, that you Scripture doesn't say you should use instruments. So we're we're not we don't use instruments, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That that would that would be a regulative practice, yeah. right? And that's where that kind of belief's coming from. Right. And then once again, I think that those things sound great on paper, and that you could follow one or the two of them real easy, written down. Right. But when you go to actually practice it. It's a mixture of the two, yeah. right? And you lead worship, Chloe. You Absolutely. put together worship services, design all that. It's a mixture of these. Yeah. You don't want to just, um, you don't want to do something just because the scripture says you can't. Right. Right. That sounds crazy. Right. You know what I mean? So, but you also want to be open to the fact that, well, it's not. Is this okay to do right. in worship? Right. And so right. part of that's you putting it through this lens of. Is this correct biblically? Yeah, right. Absolutely. And then you know, and then also you, the spirit's leading you on that too, mm-hmm. because you know, the the scripture doesn't tell us whether we can use LED walls in or or projector screens, right, right? or PowerPoint back in the day or right. whatever it may be. Um, Does that mean we don't use it? Right. You know? Exactly. And so when you start to think through those things, you go, right. well, I, I think this would enhance." Mm-hmm. The sharing of the gospel, not detract from it, yeah, you know. Absolutely. Um, but of course, the scripture is not going to reference electronic yeah. related stuff. You yeah. Know? So Came a little bit after that. It is a little. <laughs> just a little, a little bit after yeah, that. that's not in the creed. <laughs> right, uh, right. Sorry. Right. <laughs> so anyway, you're just thinking through those things. So like we we're yeah. sitting here talking about, you know, how do we how do we become part of the church? Baptism. You know, what does that? What do those rites look like? Communion, and then moving into um, just these various different things like, yeah. you know, worship styles and all those kind of pieces. And if you continue to, we're not going to talk any further about it, but if you continue to ecclesiology, you're going to get into what are the church's blessings? Cause the scripture says that the church has specific blessings that are given to it. Like for example, um, and I'm not saying this cause I am one, your pastor is a scripturally says that that's yeah. a blessing to the church. Right. Yeah. Um, and it is, if you think about it, right. right. I mean, you've got this person, who um, is charged with helping you grow in your faith. Mm-hmm. That's a blessing, right? Yes. I mean, that's yeah. a blessing. That's like saying, you know, Absolutely. you got this person in your life who the minute you were born uh, was charged with keeping you alive and growing you and making sure you didn't die, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and we're raised that right. mama is a blessing. You right, know what I mean? right? <laughs> exactly. No one would argue that. <laughs> of course. And so <laughs> you, you start to look at the blessings of the church, and you start to understand those, and um, then you look at the future of the church, and so you can you can see that the church has a future, mm-hmm. right? And that starts to push us towards eschatology, which we're going to get to, um, I don't know, so. next time, one after this, I don't know, something right. like that. Um, and you start to see like the future of the church and what happens in the end with the church and then where does the where does the church exist for eternity what does that look like right. all that kind of stuff right yeah. um so there's lots of pieces to it but i do think that it's one that is very practical to us so out of all of the things we've discussed so far about theology we actually live out the ecclesiology if you're part of the church right, right? we actually walk this thing out right. day in and day out right i mean all the time we're seeing these pieces play out the other parts tend to be more of um, we're thinking through them, right? We're pondering them. They're, you know, they're parts of our, our our souls are sort of leaning into them, but we're walking out the ecclesiology all yeah. the time, you know. And so it's kind of cool. I yeah. love talking about the church. It's probably my favorite topic to discuss. Um, I love talking about how stupid we are most of the time <laughs> and how we get it wrong and. 
Um, and then the, you know, the hope of the world is, is found in the church, right? Um, yeah. you know, God has chosen a method to reach the world. And that method is each individual Christ follower and us collectively together. Mm-hmm. Right. And he don't have a plan B. Right. He don't he don't use plan B's. He don't need plan B's. Right. So that's his method. And so it's an amazing thing to me to to talk ecclesiology, to yeah. talk to church. Because there's so much there. It's and so cool. uh, you know, I, I just I just I love the local church. Um even though the local church has caused lots of problems and it has <laughs> hurt my feelings and messed me up over times over the years and yeah. lots of other folks too. The local church has caused issues in its community. I love the local church because there's nothing like um, a group of people coming together, uh, bonded in Jesus, and that bond in Jesus supersedes all the things that we are different, all the reasons and ways we're different, right? Yeah. That one thing, man, takes people that are that speak different languages from different places, right, different backgrounds, taught different things, whatever it may be, different ages, right? Yeah. And it bonds them together, and it becomes that supreme thing that that joins us, right? True yeah. brotherhood, true sisterhood is not found in any fraternity or any other place in this world. True brotherhood and sisterhood can only be found in the church. Yeah. So I love the church. Absolutely. Wow. And I like talking about it. That was a good episode. I think it's a fun episode, right? Yes, it was a lot of fun. And I really enjoyed pickles. that. <laughs> pickles. <laughs> That's what I'm walking away right, We want to go get a pickle right now, so we're going to leave. <laughs> okay, so anyway, this will be the end of the episode. We have a appointment to go get pickles. Um, anyway. If you like to talk to tomatoes. I love VeggieTales. I do, too. I oh, like VeggieTales a lot. My favorite, my favorite, my favorite. Um, thank you guys for joining us today for this episode from the Messy Walk Podcast. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope um, you'll be back again with us next week as we talk about – I think I said that – I mistakenly said we were talking about eschatology next. Uh, eschatology next. We're not talking about that. We're talking about something else. I don't know if I should say it yet. Do you want me to say it? Go for it. Okay, Why we're not? talking about angelology next, which I'm actually very excited for. It's pretty cool. I think this is probably the one. I don't know a lot about any of these. Like, you know, you know some things, but not a lot of things about you any of the topics of, that we cover. You covered. know lots of things, yes. but you haven't you haven't formulated them into right right. Exactly. You know what I mean? like a, a system. Yes. Right. Exactly. So I think angelology is probably the one that I know the absolute least about. So I'm very excited for this. We hope you will tune in for that episode next week. It'll be fun. And we will be back with you next All right. week. See you next week. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.